I really enjoyed just chatting to a few of you uh, um, through lunch and before lunch. Just um, again on that sense of it's great to have time to talk about things that we just don't get to. Um, I had one, one couple come up and go, we're going to go get a friend of the marriage. Good thing. Uh, another couple come up and go, we used to, now we don't. Let's get back to spending some time in the Word together. So that's really good. And I had another one who who said something about the very nice people in his life and how they're just so nice to be with. And I think it was you, Dan, who said they're just like chips, chips. (laughs) you know. Not necessarily the best meal for you, but you just crave them and you like them. (laughs) And it's good to have them. So, yeah, very nice people are good to have around as well. So we hope you've learnt something for, um, for your marriages in there. But... I love the fact that you guys spend time talking to each other. That's why we run these a little bit different to just talking at you. We want you to learn from each other. And um, so we're going to do some more of that. So I hope you're sitting with your groups again. This was a topic that was brought up last year um, by the Tuckers, I think very helpfully by the Tuckers, but there was no real time to talk about it amongst yourselves. And I felt it was so important that I thought we'd just refresh our memories and get some time to talk to each other. This was on the models of ministry that they presented to us. So just as a summary to go through, um, as you're setting up church, what sort of model of ministry will you have? And will it change over time? Will it start as one and move to another. This again is all keeping things current for you. So the traditional model of ministry that they talked about and I'll remind you of is a full-time husband and an at-home wife. Traditional as in the sense of this is what church looked like a long time ago. I don't see too many of these around at the moment but um, I guess they're there where the husband is working full-time as a minister and the wife is at home full-time with children maybe involved in a bit of hospitality a bit of you know cups of tea in the afternoon or something but not up front in ministry in any way and certainly not involved in any decision making traditional stay-at-home supporting wife second one The two-for-one model, I see a lot more of this around at the moment, especially in church planting circles or further around down the track. But a two-for-one model really is where one of you is being paid, usually the husband um, in our circles, and um, but you're actually getting double double for your money because the wife is so totally involved full-time, side-by-side with the husband. So she knows lots of what's happening at church. She's up front in ministry, perhaps running women's um, groups, children's ministries. She knows a lot about the church structure. She has input into decision-making. She's not a paid employer, but you find she's working long hours. Okay, so she really is putting all this in for no monetary effort but as a full-time alongside her husband, two-for-one model. Next one uh, was an independent model. This is where the full-time husband working um, but the wife is maybe a high-functioning volunteer and serving where she feels gifted. So she might have one role, maybe women's ministry or children's ministry or something else. But she's not involved in the decisions like any other person. She's got a large life outside of church, so church isn't her full-time thing. She's just what we'd call a high-functioning volunteer in an area or two, so an independent model. 
This is the one some of you will understand very well, the economic survival model, where the husband is part-time in church in the sense of being paid part-time, but he's actually working full-time or more. Uh, But in order to survive, the wife has to be out working to support the family. Um, This is often how church planting um, plants happen. And it, it could be helpful in the short term, but I think over the long term it's not sustainable and can build a lot of resentment um, in the sense of I have to keep working, keep working for you to be working more and more and more hours and yet not being paid enough money for us to live on. So the wife may be emotionally committed to the church plant but distant from any involvement because she's just too busy working as well as maybe raising the family. And then the other one that uh, was mentioned was the two-career model where the husband is full-time in the church and the wife is a career wife um, and so she's not involved in church at all, uh, not necessarily working because she has to but because she wants to, um, enjoys her work, is happy for the extra income but um, she's not, not really involved in decision-making or, uh, or high-functioning volunteer. So it could be emotionally supportive um, and as any any wife might be. But so, you know, a, we could have been a two-career model in the sense of when Scott had his business. I'm certainly supportive, happy to be there, but I'm not involved in the decision-making and I have my own life, my own career. I think having talked to Tim and Emma, I should add another <laughs> comment because I don't think I've ever, I haven't met too many where it's full-time ministry wife and full-time working. So I think Emma might need a round of applause for that at the moment. She's um, doing full-time as a headmistress or deputy head and involved in the young church plant. So that's huge. And there may be others that, of you that I don't know who are actually that's doing clearly sustainable. That as well. Yeah, not sustainable forever and maybe only sustainable while there's no children. But certainly it shows that we're all working at different um, in different models of ministry and... Um, this, again, is a, a way of just getting you to chat about what is what are you involved in at the moment and what are you looking like. So we're going to do group talk first where you're in your groups again. And what's the model of ministry you're working with now? So just between the groups, say, hey, we're a two-for-one or we're an economic survival or we're not even on the page. This is what's happening for us. Um, how is it beneficial? What are the challenges? And what can you learn from each other? So please give each other time. Don't anyone hog it. But just talk about this is what we've started church like or this is where we are now. So don't go into history so much, but what's working for you now in your models of ministry. So break into little groups and away you go. Again, we hope you see that in a long marriage, those models are going to change. They're not going to stay the same. The way your marriage isn't staying the same. And different models will have a different impact on how you partner together and whether you feel together, even though you, you, know, you may be even going through that drift we're talking about, but because of the way you're doing ministry, you need to have your headspace together even if you're not working together. So hopefully you'll see your ministry, whatever role you're in, as being a we, um, whatever stage you're going through. But great conversations to have with each other Maybe good time to have a conversation just with your husband and wife now. So couple talk four, five, which is on the next page in your um, manual, is just saying, can you flick it? Sorry. 
Which is the model of ministry you're working with? No, that was a group talk. Next one. In what ways has our model of ministry changed since we started? Now, of course, if you haven't even started, like we just said, someone's starting in a couple of weeks. Obviously, you can't answer that one, so move on. Um, But some of you have been at it for a while. Has your model of ministry changed? Talk about the journey you've been on. And in what ways can you see it changing or evolving in the short or term? long-term future so there may be some dreams and wishes you have to how you want it to be at the moment we're in economic survival but i'm hoping by 2018 we can be in this sort of model how can we work towards that so we'll give you a few minutes to talk a couple talk for together but we find that it is it is really important to not just let life just happen but to think about what's next life stage and we find often in the marriage talks that we do with people um, they find that understanding life stages and, and, hey, life actually changes and we need to think about what the next change is and prepare for it, make changes in our own behaviour and in our marriage. So this is one of those times for you to sort of sit down and go, so as we've been through Bible college, what model do we have as we're now launching our church or as we've launched, what's changed and what do we think is the next thing that's likely to happen so we can start to prepare for it. Okay, Go. All right, I'll call you back to the front now. Lots of great conversations happening and I hope you can keep them going at various times through these couple of days. We're still in partners. We're still looking at partners. We're looking at our ministry. Now we're going to look at our homes, our homes in ministry. Um, Big difference, as you know, to having a very busy life Uh, to having a very busy ministry life. I mean, I think that that graph that Scott and I showed you of how busy life was for us with four kids and him running his business, at the same time, the only hospitality I had to do for Sterling Computing was run an annual Christmas party. I didn't have to visit the employees in hospital. I didn't have to cook meals for the new mums. I didn't feel any of that pressure. There was a big line between work and home but for you guys of course you know that line doesn't really exist or if it exists it's very blurry Um, some of you your church office is in your home your growth groups in your home your elders meetings are in your home Um, you know I never had the finance meeting for Sterling in my home (laughs) but I know that some of you have even those tense sort of meetings in your home as well so there is a big understanding needed to have between a marriage of what's our capacity and our energy for hospitality I am married to a man who would have people over for dinner every night every night (laughs) I have a man as I think I told some of you that you know will sit on a plane and invite that person back home to stay I have a man who has recently asked a young girl to come and live with us for... Nine months. (laughs) So I have a very hospitable husband and I admit to him and I've admitted to you in in previous times... Kim loves it really. (laughs) I only do it because she enjoys it. I get drained by a lot of it. Um, And yet I'm not trying to run a church as well. So it is a thing I think you can learn from each other. So... We're going to get you to talk in groups again as to what is the level of activity in your home for ministry and simple hospitality. I think sometimes there's a lot of ministry happening, but I feel like my friends can never drop in because there's a meeting every night or I can't have my mother come and stay because there's no room or whatever. So there is a sense that there's ministry and simple hospitality. 
um, what can you learn from each other. So I'd love you to be able to share openly with each other in your groups. You know, if you're struggling with it, say so. If you're saying this is what worked for us, putting a limit on how many meetings. This is what worked for us, putting the office out in the caravan, whatever um, has worked for you, so that you as a couple can manage ministry and hospitality in your in your group. So you're going to have a group talk on that and then, of course, a couple talk after that. So we'll call you back from your group talk when it's time. Back to groups. Yeah, I'm going to get you to come back in to your couples. And again, we'll be asking the question, is, is hospitality and the way you use your home something that's pulling you apart or bringing you together and a conversation you'll need over and over again? So in your couples now, another conversation you may not have had for a while, um, are you having any struggles or differences the way you're using your home at the moment for ministry and hospitality? You might need to hear a few hard truths there. You might need to hear... It's too much or it's too little. Um, This is what I would like. So be kind to each other there. But maybe there's some dreams you have for the future regarding the use of space in your present or future home. I mean, this is a big one, isn't it? I want a new home. (laughs) I want a bigger space. Whatever it is, it's a dream. Be kind. Just let each other dream about what is it that you would like for the future, the new short-term future or for the long-term future? Do I want to upgrade, downsize, all that sort of stuff? So have a bit of conversation about how it's going for you now and dreams for the future. We'll give you a little time as a couple to talk about that. All right, we might call it That's It for Partners. So if you could um, wiggle around, face me again. I know we're in mid-afternoon and the energy slump. So that's why we leave the um, very exciting one next. (laughs) So before we do move on to the final leg of the stool, which is lovers, um, just this afternoon at 4 o'clock, so there's not much time between now and then, I can realise that, um, there is a panel here with um, Andrew and Cathy and Scott and I just sitting up here telling you a few things we did wrong and a few things we did right, being partners together as parents. Now, obviously, um, there'll be questions that you might have. There's a page in your book right now that you can jot questions down ready to call out. Or if you prefer to be anonymous, you could just leave a few questions out the front here if you like, and we can just go from there. Um, But that's at 4 o'clock. So we've got another section to get through before then. And this is the lovers. Friends, partners and lovers, three important legs of the stool that makes up a strong... What is it? A strong we and a firm stool. That's right. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Whoop. Topic, topic at the number one of this, and you've got this in your books as well, is just what was God thinking when he put men and women together? I don't mean that in an irreverent way, but I just mean there are so many differences between the way men and women experience sexual intimacy. What was God thinking? Well, I think he was thinking, how about I make a couple have to sacrifice and learn about each other and uh, be gentle and loving to each other? And uh, this is why we go through so many struggles within sexual intimacy in a marriage is because we are very, very different. So here's a chart on the side of men. You want to read out the um, 
Actually, I might do it the other way around, Scotty. I'm going to talk about men and you can talk about women. How about that? This is totally Such not an what he expert does. on women. <laughs> men, what have I had to learn about being married to a man and sexual intimacy with a man? I've had to learn that sex leads to feelings of love for a man. Uh, sex is something that makes them feel good about you or about me. Um, it really is sex and then love in some cases. I'm married to a bit of a gender flip on that one, but um, I've had to learn, yeah, sex makes uh, leads to feelings of love. And for women? For women, feelings of love lead to sex. So it's quite often that, like as Kim said, for a man, um, if he's feeling even like depressed or like there's even stories of where a guy's gone to a funeral for his father and then wanted to have sex as like comfort afterwards, which to a woman might go, oh, I don't understand that at all. So women tend to feel that they need to be loved, they need to feel cherished um, in order to be intimate. So if you've ignored her all day um, and then you come home, hey, baby, she's probably not going to be that interested because you haven't engaged, you haven't had that conversation and that, and that linkage with her. Next, the quick men are quickly aroused and can be quickly satisfied, especially young men. Um, so um, that's just a physical thing. I mean, the man has 20 times the testosterone that a woman has. So that's why he's quickly aroused and often quickly satisfied and has to learn how to be patient and learn how to prolong his lovemaking because as a young man in his 18s to 26s or whatever it is can be just very, very quick, too quick. And so that's what I've had to learn about young men. That's a long time ago, but there you are. There's differences now. <laughs> what are you saying? <clears throat> I could say a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> we might just stop there. Um, and... Uh, and what I've had to learn about women is slowly aroused, which means that, you know, if you're, if you're a guy and you're quickly aroused and you're thinking, hey, she's probably on the same page, hey, she probably isn't, uh, and you need to spend a bit of time uh, having, uh, like, um, just loving her and, and turning attention to her rather than just trying to be physically satisfied yourself. And that, in turn, helps her to feel more connected to you and it's... Um, and it's a good thing when it works. But we're, we're talking about physical arousal here, so not necessarily emotional. So the difference between... Um, oh, gosh. What are my two words? Physical... Desire. Desire and arousal. Okay, so desire being what's playing on in your mind, that I desire sex, but arousal being the actual physical arousal mechanism that's happening in you. So for a woman, lubrication and nipple erection and all those sorts of things are the physical arousal. And a woman is slowly aroused in that way, whereas a man can be quickly aroused physically. Okay, so we're not talking about desire here. We're talking about physical arousal. arousal. Yep. Mm -hmm. For men, I've had to learn that the best part of release of tension is the goal, is the release of tension, the goal, the climax. So for a man, sex is... Uh, especially a young man, that's the goal, that's the exciting part and that's what's interesting to him. And so what was God thinking? Because for a woman... Well, for a woman, it's actually that journey as it talks about. So it's the lovemaking process, it's the feeling of intimacy, it's, it's all that caring. And what I had to learn as well for a guy who, who sort of feels that if you're not 
ejaculating, then it's not really sex, that for a woman to not actually have a climax doesn't necessarily mean she hasn't enjoyed it because it's the journey, it's the intimacy, it's the, it's the connection that you have that can actually do it. And the build-up of tension being that the longer the floor pay, the better sometimes. It's, um, it's not necessarily let's just get this over and done with quickly. Which leads us to, for a man, prefers direct stimulation. I mean, of sex glands. It's quite happy, go straight there. I'll be happy with that. But for a woman... Yeah, not so much. Um, <laughs> so, so if, you know, the hand starts creeping across the bed and starts groping, that's the word that's used, isn't it? It's not, hey, he's tenderly feeling me. No, he's groping, right? So, so guys, it's, uh, it's sort of, you, you've got to pace yourself. Delay the direct stimulation. Yeah. Use the other parts, the neck, the arms, the legs, all yeah, that this is it. They want the whole massage, the whole <laughs> tickle, the whole, you know, five hours later type stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can be patient, it's worth the wait. <laughs> I've had to learn that men like sex in order to relax. Hmm. It does make a... Uh, it, it is... Uh, there's, a, there's a hormone called prolactin that is released by a man when he has sex, what does it do? What that? It does that. <laughs> what? What I saw Tim do. <laughs> it, uh, it makes him sleepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what did you do at lunchtime? No. <laughs> what have you been up to? <laughs> so, <laughs> who said everything's not possible when you're planning a church? So... Um, yeah, so for, for a guy, it actually is a, is a special hormone that's prolactin that makes you sleepy. Now, interestingly, pornography has shown up that, that pornography and coming to a climax through pornography doesn't give off prolactin. It's just one of those things that God gives for male, female sexual completion. And, and that's why... He snores in your ear, right? So when you've just, you know, had a nice time together and he just wants to go straight to sleep, you don't have to sort of think, oh, what a such a downer. You can say, praise God he's given that beautiful prolactin to my husband <laughs> so that he can rest and be comfortable following the whole process and, and just ignore the snores because it's, it's a romantic purring. That's what it is. It's, there's a positive spin to everything. <laughs> swapped over here because I was going to say um, well, women like to relax in order to have sex. In other words, we need a bit of a downtime before we, we think about sex again. We can't jump straight from the dishes or the nappies straight into bed. We need some time to relax. So, um, so give her some time off. Give her that little neck massage. Tell her to go and have a bath or a shower. Just relax and you take the kids and, and let them sort of Pull yeah. your brain apart. Yeah, you've got that. Um, men are aroused visually. In other words, there's a lot of men that just want the lights on and, and they may even want a mirror. Who knows? So they like to see and a lot of us girls don't like that necessarily and it's embarrassment about our own bodies, all the rest of it. But we've got to understand God has made men differently and they like to see. Mm. And the problem is with this whole culture of how women are, are directed towards like their, their looks are really important and how, how they feel about themselves. You're like most women when they look at a photograph of themselves go, oh, don't I look terrible? Um, it's, it's that whole body image stuff is really significant for a woman. And so you may feel that like he wouldn't want to see me naked, but he probably does. 
Um, but guys, um, you being naked may not turn her on. That's true. <laughs> right. And, and it may not just do it for you. And so she, she might be more into the romance. Now, now the romance can take many forms and each of you can have your own little organisation about what romance works. For some, it can be, you know, a nice candle at dinner. For some, actually, if you're in the, particularly at the time when you've got lots of little kids, it can be a time where there's just no kids for a moment, like you've put them down. And it might be worth saying, look, I don't mean put them down, but you've... <laughs> but you've <laughs> But you put them to bed, right? And so they've gone to bed, they're all out like lights, hopefully, and it's not too late and you're not too exhausted, that maybe then you could sit and have a nice dinner together after that. Instead of trying to participate in the food fight with the kids and then jump in the sack and expect skyrockets, it's probably not going to happen. But if you can put the kids to bed, have a time where you chill, now let's have a nice relaxing little dinner and let's actually talk that can be romance because it doesn't happen very often and it's very special when it does. And that's where you need to talk to each other about what's romance to you, etc. I think the next one is the real what was God thinking thing for me is why is a sexual prime for a man in his late teens and early 20s when our society doesn't even have you getting married till after that? But anyway, that's the, that's the facts of it. And a sexual prime for women can be as late as their 30s or even early 40s. There's a big gap there, isn't there? Uh, how we understand as young wives how um, sexually excited our young husbands are. And then at the other end of the spectrum, in the 40s and 50s, the men have got to work out, hey, the woman's come alive. Perfect timing. And, uh, and so that's, that's when you've got to be able to cope with that. And, and as we've, we do our marriage courses with different age groups, it is something that a lot of the older couples actually struggle with because it changes roles. Because often in the young, the young um, marriage, you've got the guy who is pursuing. He's initiating and he has the higher desire levels where the girls don't. And then later on, the girls may have the higher desire levels and the guys go, what's happening here? You know, and so, and the guys are going. Oh, I'm not that excited, and so there's a whole role reversal that can happen. And so, just be aware that when those things happen to you, it's natural, it's normal, it's just the way God planned it. And I learn again: desire by consistent hormones. So again, that testosterone is pumping around 24/7. It doesn't have a cycle. So a man can have high desire all his life, and for a woman. And that doesn't mean that we're just warped, you know. Like if you sort of think that your husband is always wanting sex all the time, it's not that he's a sexual deviant. Uh, it's just that that's what's happening to him physiologically. It's going on all the time. Uh, whereas for you girls, um, your estrogen levels, as you know, vary throughout the month and they have different peaks. And, and you will notice that there will be different times where you feel more desirous than others. And so there's things that happen in your own hormones that are, that are cyclical that you've got to sort of work out. If you were at the peak of your cycle when you feel most like sex and you thought, multiply that by about 10 or 20 and that's how he feels all the time. And let each other know, like know what the cycle is and sort of just be honest about that. Like this time of the month, I'm never going to be interested, but here I am and just um, be able to talk that through. For men, of course, a single orgasm, one shot and you're over. What was God thinking? Well, it's getting personal now. Um, 
but 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 usually uh, usually for a guy um, having multiple orgasms it has to have a gap in the middle sometime sometimes it can be half an hour sometimes it can be half a week it just depends upon what your cycle is and your recovery and your age and all that sort of stuff but this is where it pays off for the girls because girls it is quite feasible to be able to have multiple orgasms in the same session and different types of orgasms both being internal and external orgasms and so there's a whole different palette that you've got to play with there, that um, your artistic palette of how you can paint that. And it's worthwhile understanding your own body and your own cycles and your own way that you can enjoy sex for you to actually get together on that. So we do have a lot of differences. I mean, we're so different as male and female normally. I was reading this little thing that said, for a woman, how do you treat a woman? You wine her, you dine her, you hold her, you surprise her. You compliment her, you listen to her, you laugh with her, you cry with her, you romance her, you encourage her, you cuddle her, you shop with her, you write love letters to her and how to treat a man? <laughs> you turn up naked and don't get in front of the TV. <laughs> like... <laughs> They're a lot more simple, aren't they? <laughs> okay, you are going to have time to talk about sex with each other and I know this might be something you can't wait and it might be something like do we really have to but your couple talk seven has that chart there and it asks in what way does this chart reflect us and do we have any gender flips and how does it um differences impact our love life and there may be gender flips on that there's gender flips on that for us for sure especially as we've got older um and that might be that you just go that's just nothing like us we're totally opposite to that it doesn't matter all that matters is that you're able to recognise the differences and talk about it. So you might want to just move a little bit further away than you did on the other couple talks. <laughs> Take a little side of the room. I will call you back. But we'd just like you to do couple talk seven together now and we'll call you back in a while. <laughs> it's a lot quieter during that couple talk. But um, could you please face the front now and we'll, um, we'll move on. Uh, in your manuals on the next page, page 17, um, I do have a page called um, What God Says No To as far as sexual um, intimacy goes. Um, I don't want to go through all that. I think you know it, but there's a... a section of what God says no to within the Bible and a few of those verses because what I find is that a lot of couples get um, mixed up on what is what's wrong and what just makes me feel uncomfortable and sometimes over a long marriage you've got to realize the difference between that's wrong in immoral and against God's plan and design as opposed to uh, just not sure I like that or I'm not sure I can go there and sometimes couples will make the mistake in their younger marriages of saying that's wrong and I'm never going there as opposed to can you give me some time and can we work on that slowly Okay, so if one of you wants to be more adventurous than the other, I think the questions to ask are up there and in your book 
Firstly, has God said no to this? Is it one of those in that list of fornication, adultery, homosexuality, the rest of it? And if it's not a no answer, could I then consider my freedom to pursue that sexually with you, my husband, my wife, by asking the next question, is it good for us? In other words, what you're asking me to try or do or what we're intending to try or do together, does it harm our relationship? Does it cause emotional or physical pain for either of us? And will it cause me to feel unsafe with you? Because if the answer to that is yes, it will harm us, it wouldn't matter if God said yes to it a hundred times. It's not going to be good for you. But if you can honestly in your heart go, you know, it's not really going to harm us. It's just that I'm going to need time and coaxing and give it a go and see how I feel because it's not illegal, it's not immoral, it's just that I feel uncomfortable. So can you answer that? Is it going to be good for us? Um, And then the last one, is it only for us? In other words, what you're asking me to do or try or whatever, does it involve anyone or anything else that is going to break that we between us? So I think... It's not acceptable ever to involve someone else, obviously, but I think we need to include pornography in that. Um, You know, I believe to to ask husband or wife to use pornography, to view it, to use it in order to wait again. Sexual intimacy, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It divides a couple. It does not bring a couple together. But some of the other things that you might find that are just, you know, you want to try, including oral sex or role plays and dress-ups and things, you could ask those questions. Is it wrong? Does God say no? Is it good for us? Will it, will it help us grow together? And is it only for us? And if you can answer all those, really the rule book's gone. God doesn't have any rules against enjoying each other's bodies. In fact, he says you give your body to your husband. He gives his body to you. And so this is conversations that just have to continue on through all of marriage. What we don't want to happen in marriage is that what you started out in year one is what you're still doing in year 37 and it's boring because you haven't bothered to invest in that side of your life again. And so we're going to have one more talk on what's missing from married sex. Um, these are the things that I hear that are missing from married sex. Um, it's interesting that our TV and movies, out of all the TV and movie sex things, 7% are between married couples. The rest is between unmarried couples and it involves a lot of risk, variety, uh, kissing, um, all sorts of things like that. So we don't want to be like the movies, but we do want to be inventive and fun with each other. So we're going to listen to our last Mark Gungor clip because this is our third refresh, our final one of the three-part series. And we've listened to him before talk about sex. But he's going to be talking now about variety in sex um, and I'll be talking about some of those other things as well. So have a listen to Mark Gungor on uh, variety in sex. It's for you men mostly, sorry. He writes, your stature is like that of the palm tree, and your breasts are like clusters of fruit. (laughs) 
said to myself, I will climb the palm tree. <laughs> now take hold of the fruit. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> now the problem here is most guys don't want to take the time to climb the palm tree. They just want to hop in a cherry picker and swing in and grab the coconuts. Hey, baby, come on. <laughs> you want to have sex? <laughs> you wake? Come on. Stop that. You've got to learn how to climb the palm tree. You've got to learn how to touch the girl. How to romance the girl. And you need to be romantic. You got to mix it up. You got, don't be so puke and predictable. A lot of you guys, the minute you touch her, she knows what's coming. <laughs> Why does she act like that? Because you're so obvious. You're so predictable. Women are not interested in a formula. Men are by nature formulaic. You do this, you do that, you get that. You do this, you do that, you get that. Alright? And she nice, you know, you do that every time with her. She just get away from me. You need to mix it up. Gotta learn how to climb at a palm tree. You know, you don't you know, you really want great foreplay? Turn it into a 24-hour deal. I call it slow roasting your woman. <laughs> Don't be in such a hurry. You know, kiss the girl, leave her alone. Flirt with the girl, leave her alone. Touch the girl, leave her alone. Keep her guessing. What, what's going on? What is this? You know, you know. My wife will come out of the shower and say, hey, baby, just lay down. I'll, I'll give her a back rub. She'll fall asleep. And I'll cover up. And I'll just crawl into bed next to her, turn off the light, and go to sleep. So, couldn't do that, Pastor. I go blind. where he's talking mainly to guys, so I talk to girls too. Mix it up. Don't be so predictable. Do something different. And uh, what I hear from a lot of wives is, guess what's missing from marriage sex? I don't get kissed anymore. I've heard that so often. I get a peck, but I don't get kissed in the same way. And I think that's sad. I think that kissing is something that is quite intimate. Do you know that prostitutes will often have a, a, a rule that they won't kiss? They'll do everything else, but they won't kiss each other, kiss the, the, the client, because it's very intimate. And I know that uh, in our courtships, we do a lot of kissing. Well, we, some of us don't. There's a first kiss at the altar thing going around that I find quite weird. But anyway, that's going around. Um, but we tend to stop kissing as married couples simply because we think uh, that leads to sex and um, we're not having it today or it's too busy or the kids are around or whatever. So we just stop kissing altogether. So I think that that's something we need to go. Have we, have we stopped actually kissing properly and enjoying each other? It doesn't lead to sex because that is slow roasting your woman. There'll be very few women here sitting who wouldn't like a very nice kiss every now and then that doesn't lead to sex but will certainly create those feelings of desire in them.
Of course, what's missing from married sex is privacy when there's children around. That's a big one. How do we even think about having lovemaking when there's little ankle biters? Um, and that's something that really has to be worked on with locks, um, with even talking to children who need to be told if the door's closed, you don't come in. Um, that's, that's our time. That's if not they do, they'll only do it once. Yeah, they will. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure you've had it done to you. Ours was worse when the cleaner in a hotel came in. That was pretty oh, awful. But again, that, that leads on to um, another thing, variety and risk and playfulness. I mean, that is the, the number one thing that people who are having affairs enjoy, unfortunately, is that sense of risk and um, tension and all the rest of it. That's missing from married sex too because you know that you're available to each other. How do you get that variety and that sense of playfulness back again? Uh, that's something to work out. But um, variety just in, um, as I put in brackets, the speedboat, the cruise, or the zodiac sex. Now, Everybody's interested in the zodiac. <laughs> yeah, but speedboat being um, just the, the sex that's a, that other people might have the name as a quickie or bread and butter, like um, in the sense that that's, that's our normal, very easy, works for us, garden variety, sexual experience, and it's not very long. Uh, it works most of the time. Um, and it's good. It's good for you to have speedboat sex. Um, I know when we were first married, we had lots of speedboat sex before church, didn't we? Morning service. You're going there, aren't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, there was one story where we're going, no, we haven't got enough time, we'll be late. And we're only just married and they'll know we've been doing it. <laughs> if we walk in late, they'll know why we're walking in late. And, and so... Anyway, we were late, and uh, and as we were walking in church, we sort of snuck in the back, and we sort of sat down. We hope nobody saw, and then we thought, I wonder if there's anybody else later than us. <laughs> we sort of kept an eye on the door, and then this really old couple walked in, and we went, "Oh no, it's just terrible." But uh, <laughs> speedboat sex, it's good. <clears throat> yeah, okay. So, but but then speedboat sex, or just bread and butter sex, while that can, you know, satisfy and be fine. You know, nine nine times out of ten, or whatever, it's it's good to not just make it the the staple diet the whole time. It's good to have some special time where you have what what we call like a cruise, where you take a lot longer. You make it a special night. You might have like the dinner. You put the kids to bed early. Whatever you do, get rid of the kids. But you do whatever you can do just to make it so it's nice, and you make it a nice night affair where you just take a lot of time over it and just enjoy each other. But the trouble is that cruise boats, you never just hop on a cruise, do you? You have to plan for it. <laughs> you have to pay for it up front. So you might be able to have speedboat sex for a long time, but you're never going to have cruise boat sex unless, unless you, think you about really it plan it. And schedule it. Intentionally schedule it. That's right. Which doesn't sound romantic, but it actually is. Ah, I think it can. Who doesn't look forward to a cruise? Oh, okay. <laughs> i got to use a gourmet meal instead, bread and butter, gourmet meal. That might work for you. Um, yeah, so you look forward to that because you know it's coming and, and it might not come very often, but it should be there in the, in the diet of any married couple, speedboat cruise. And what's Zodiac? Well, I've sort of hinted at it. It's more the adventuresome. Um, 
It takes you away from everyday habits and a sense of playfulness and risk maybe. Um, And so it it is a bit like we talked about back then. If when your husband or wife wants to try something different and you've got to say, okay, let's talk about this or or it happens and you say, no, I didn't like that. Um, But it's just that more adventuresome thing. And you will change over time. Like You will be more adventurous or can be as you get older. Um, and that's that's a really hard thing for a couple because if a wife comes to life again in her 40s or whatever and starts to be more pursuing and more adventurous, the guy has then got to go, you would think he would go, isn't that great? I've got a willing lover. But sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he goes, hang on, who's in charge here? You know, what, you, what is this person? And so it's a matter of being able to say over your long marriage, Let's try something different. Can we go for a cruise? You know, can we have a gourmet meal? And then can we try something else? So I don't want to give you the details of what you have to do. I just want you to be able to talk about sex in your marriage. And it is a topic that doesn't get talked about very much. So we are going to, very bravely, talk about sex as a we. Um, We're going to do our stool thing. I'll do that. Okay. So who's been at Refresh 1 and 2? Okay, so there are, there are lots of people who haven't. We were wondering whether we would do this again, but we thought it was quite helpful. We do what's called the pillow talk, remember? Where I hold the pillow and Scott has to listen. It's supposed to be the other way around, but he's too scared. So he said, would you do it again? <laughs> um, it's a tool we use to help couples learn how to listen to each other. You will know that... What are you doing? I'm just trying to get away from the... Bottom. I thought you were getting away from me. Well, that's a long way to talk. Um, refresh one, I had talked to Scott about my birthday and how he really disappointed me on my birthday. Do you remember that? What birthday is coming up next week? This week. 60th birthday. 60th. What's he going to do, hey? After today. <laughs> and then last year I talked about our house and trying to talk about whether we could up or change downsize from our house and so what's the action point on that Scotty from a whole year ago? We've had people coming up to us all year saying well what's happened with your house? Well I got this message today can you see that? (laughs) Settled so our house actually settled this morning not the sale of, the buyer of one. The buyer. So the we've buyer actually bought our future house. So these pillow talks work. <laughs> um, look, we don't want to talk about anything too, too personal, but we do want to, for those of you who've never seen a pillow talk, um, show you how it works. I'm going to have an issue around um, intimacy with Scotty. I'm going to talk to him. He's going, I'm going to pass the pillow back to him. He's going to uh, reflect back to me what he has heard me say, back and forth, back and forth until I feel he's got it. And then we're going to take it one step further than that this year and show you how to talk about um, sex as a we together. Okay? So we'll do that quickly now. This is not pre-planned, by the way, so I don't know what she's going to say. <laughs> but, but for those of you who, who haven't seen this before, this is an excellent form of communication because it, it helps you to to stop and listen to the other person without defending. So my role is not to defend or even agree 
with what Kim's saying. It's just to tell her what I've heard her say. Yep. You got a mic? Okay, so we're going to try and talk about sex as a we, but first I need you to listen to the issue I have. Okay, and the issue the issue I have is to do with variety. I have a sense that we've slipped into quite a rut, um, where in the busyness of life we've been doing the same thing for a long time and I feel that I am getting just a sense of I would like something more and I haven't been able to talk to you about it yet. (laughs) (laughs) So so it's about our intimacy and, and what you're saying is that you're feeling that the way we've been making love has been very much of a pattern or a rut or the same sort of thing and you'd like to have um, more variety in what we're doing. Yeah, and I think the difference is now that I am on the older, come alive sort of stage that I probably gave off Um, indications over a long time of being tired and, you know, it's just too much effort and all the rest of it. But now I feel like we've got more time, we've got more privacy, we don't have many kids around and yet we've stayed in the same sort of pattern. And so I just look at the next whatever years and go, we don't need to stay like that anymore. We could actually invest in this a bit more and and so... So, so I want to talk about one particular thing that would be helpful, but is that enough for now? <laughs> it's, it's probably enough. But um, um, so because life has changed, so we've got into patterns uh, of what we've been, what we've been doing and, and also I guess I'm reading into where we've been doing it as well, that... It's changed from what we used to do before we had kids and maybe there could be um, more relaxing stuff and more different stuff um, where we might make love in different parts of the house or something like that. No, but I'm, I'm, I said I was reading into it. I said I was reading into it. So, so you'd just like a little bit more variety now that no one's home so the whole house is, is possible. Maybe. <laughs> you can see <laughs> We're either not good at this or you're just jumping way ahead. But, yeah, I, I, I think you have picked up the fact that we, we used to have a lot more playfulness, a lot more risk, a lot more interesting things happening before children. And now that we're without children, why can't we get some of that back? And I think a lot of the sense of we, we could fall into we're just too old for that or that feels weird, but, you know, there are other rooms in the house. There are lovely fireside rooms you know, wood on the fire, things that used to we used to enjoy. And so I just think it's time for us to look at the next stage of life and go, let's get back to being more lovers instead of just, you know, you coming to bed so late, so tired, so distracted that sex has just become, well, that's what we do, bread and butter, speed boat or whatever it is. And it's, and it's just not... It's just not fun and it's not going to... It's fun when we go away, 
but at home it's very much the same. So let's, I would like just to think about and talk about how we can enjoy that playfulness and enjoyment of each other the way we used to. So as fun and as awesome as our sex is, um, you'd like to be able to uh, be more playful and just go back to some of the fun stuff we used to have in maybe in those first four years before children where we just were able to relax and enjoy and and play a lot more with each other rather than the... the, um, I guess the, the the standard bread and butter, or even the cruise boat, sometimes, but but do something more zodiac. I guess is what you're talking about. Is that it? I didn't go to zodiac, but there you go. Let's maybe talk about that. Yes, you've got it. Yep. So that that's an example of where we just pass the pillow back and forward <laughs> until he gets it. We wanted to do this quickly because we know some of you have seen a lot of that sort of stuff going on. Um, But we want to take it to the next level where we actually go, what are we going to do about that? Because when we ever do that pillow talk, we get so many couples come, so now what? You know, what do you do now? We're not going to demonstrate anything. (laughs) (laughs) But, But we do talk about sex being the one topic that is like a grenade that comes and blows up between a couple, isn't it? What yes. do you do? Talk about well, the grenade. It's, um, it's not surprising, I think we've talked about this before, it's not surprising that that because your marriage is an image of Christ in the church, um, it shouldn't be a surprise to you that Satan is going to do everything he can to destroy it. Um, and he's going to keep lobbing grenades in the form of issues into your marriage all the time. So issues are going to be happening all the time and unless you address them and address them as they come, they're just going to build up until they become huge proportion. And so what we've done in previous refreshes is we've given you a handle on how to work through those issues and, and break them down and, and dissolve them. But what, we've, what we talk about with those grenades, where those grenades land between you um, is to define what the grenade is. And you know when a grenade lands in a bunker in a war movie... None of the girls know what I'm talking about now. But when a grenade lands in a bunker in a war movie, the guys pick it up and throw it out as quick as they can, right? And so that's what you need to do is to identify the grenades that land in your marriage and then throw them out, which means defining what they are. So that process that we've just done there is helping to define what is the grenade. Yeah, It's defining what the issue is. So what we then like to do, rather than then facing each other with the grenade between us and pointing fingers of blame, is we like to then physically even sit on the lounge together, you know, holding hands or something like this, and toss the grenade into something across the room and then just define what it is. Yeah? So that's the grenade with over there. And then together we work out a we. We're not blaming each other. We're now working out what we can do, and I'm starting to get intrigued as to what's going to come out now. We've got to do it quickly anyway. So uh, what do you see the issue as, now that I've explained it? (laughs) Well, the issue is that you would like to be able to have more variety and more playfulness and adventurous in our sex life. Yes. And how are we going to do that? (laughs) <laughs> I've got one answer. <laughs> okay. Well, so the we thing, can the, install the trapeze. No. The, no. <laughs> the thing is... 
<laughs> the thing is, it, it does come back to the fact that life is very, very routine at home and that one of the big things is that you just work so long into the night and I think that, that that's one of the things that we could work out better, getting to bed at an earlier time together rather than you coming to bed. You and it's know. too tired and it's too late and yeah. so yeah. let's finish quickly type yeah. stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep, so that would be one thing we could do. Yep. And another thing? Well, uh, another thing we could do would, would be to, um, when there is, uh, like, none of the kids are at home and hopefully Todd's not going to turn up at the last minute looking for a drum kit he's left at home or something, <laughs> that we might be able to just enjoy the rest of the house. That would be nice, especially in winter. Yes, near the fire. Okay. Actually, I think one of our children was conceived by the fire. <laughs> but that was a long time ago. Yeah. That was a long time ago. We could go on and on and we haven't got the time to do it. But it's a sense of looking at that and going, what can we do about it now? Rather than me blaming Scott or Scott blaming me, well, it's your fault, you always fall asleep, or me saying da-da-da-da-da, that we can talk about that as a we. And we have run out of time on that. I hope that that's helpful just to talk about sex. Couples don't talk about sex very often. They talk around it. They make hints. They And you hope people are picking they up They hope it. you'll pick up the hint. They wonder why you haven't picked up the hint. And yet you very rarely have a conversation like that where I can actually say, this is what's going on for me, rather than, why don't we ever do da-da-da anymore and make it feel like I'm criticising him. Okay. So, Dan, I need your input on that because we've run out of time, even though we were going to get you to have a go at that. Um, it's now 10 to 4 and we're supposed to have... No, he's just looking. <laughs> we're going to get you to practice. We were going to get a, a to couple talk trying to use the pillow talk. and that or do you think we should move on to... Can we're out of time. Out yeah. of time. <laughs> <laughs> he don't want to do it. <laughs> I can understand that. Look. Um, so what we will do is give you homework... Right. Yeah. And the homework is for you to be able to think through some of the things that have come up today through your sex talk um, and through the other things. And and if you if you're concerned about it or if you just want to make sure that you are heard, then try that pillow talk technique. Do you get it? I didn't interrupt Kim and I didn't you know tell her what she should be thinking but and even when I tried to interpret what she was saying she picked me up on it so just try to be able to communicate to each other that way practice the pillow talk it's a really helpful way and then together face your chairs together and work out your solution for it okay